Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Hello, queens. We have Melanie Connell today. She is a physical therapist for over the past 20 years and is founder of Remedy Physical Therapy and Wellness in Costa Mesa, California. Her mission is to provide a remedy for female athletes of all ages sidelined by persistent pain injury. Welcome, Welcome. Melanie. <laughs> Thank you. It's Costa Mesa, but that's Costa okay. Mesa. Okay. Sorry, this may be I knew Midwest that did, that didn't sound right as I was saying. It. It's the the Midwesterner in me. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Well, thanks for being on. We're excited to talk to you. So let's first of all get into the questions here. You speak to how everything is connected. Can you share this approach to our listeners when it comes to the body and pain, etc.? Yeah. So your first question is like speaking to my soapbox. So oh, nice. <laughs> it might be a really long-winded answer. Go right ahead. It. So, Becca, I loved your book. And oh, thank you. Wow. If you look at Red S and how it really encompasses how everything is connected, it's not just nutrition, but it's psychological and it's every other system in your body, right? So in regards to physical therapy, I try to take the same approach because you can look at the body as one part of how everything is connected from head to toe, like mechanically, but you can also look at in life, we've got, you know, nutrition affects your performance and your physical health. You've got stress, which is also going to affect your pain levels. And so I put together what I call a wellness cycle. I incorporate with my patients all the different things, like the main pillars of health, so that nutrition, mindset, breathing, stress, sleep, and movement. Okay. And nutrition is, I'm not giving them, obviously, prescriptions for that, but we talk about how is your diet and what are you eating and how things are affecting you. You know, Maybe you could talk to someone about the eating portion and how this is affecting your movement or your pain. All of those things together are how I say that everything is connected because it's more of a whole person approach when someone comes in as opposed to just like, well, let's just fix your ankle mobility, right? Mm -hmm. How would one start to be able to identify if things are report? If you're hearing that person in the practice, how would you start to be able to go like, mm, you seem pretty disconnected from your body? Well, I think that takes a lot of questions. And Really, what I try to do is ask them what their concerns are, right? So sometimes they might have a connection to their body, but maybe there's more of a hypervigilance and more of a, a kind of fear towards that connection. And then sometimes they might be injured for so long that they don't really know how to connect. So really, it's 
a matter of like diving into their story and understanding who they are now sitting in front of me. So I'm curious, I know on your website, you share about your own personal story and how you felt overlooked in your treatment of your health. Why do you think we see this in the typical medical model? And how do you feel others can start to advocate for themselves? Because like you said, the only way you could get to that was to ask the questions. But what if those questions aren't being asked? How can somebody advocate for their health? Right. I think that's a really good point. And I'm in a place now where I specifically set aside time to be able to have that time with my patients. I scheduled enough time so that we can dive into all of these things in the normal, you know, I've worked in all kinds of different clinics and normally it's very rushed and quick. So if you're only getting 15, 20 minutes with a physical therapist, a lot of times you're going to miss a whole lot of questions that could be asked. And so that lack of time alone then leads to just kind of rushing through a protocol I would advise patients if they feel like they're not fully getting their questions answered, just keep asking, right? Like, don't just assume that, I mean, that person might want to help you. If they're a good practitioner, they might just not have enough time. But I would keep keep asking and keep seeking out people who are willing to kind of see things differently and listen a little bit more intently. Um, let's switch a little bit and talking about something you specialize in, in pain and the female athlete with your clients. What are you seeing? Let's talk more about the specialization that you have. I work with males and females, um, but primarily I'd say 90% females. And it's all different ages. I get teenagers up to women in their 50s and 60s. And generally, they've all gone to physical therapy before. But for some reason, whether it's like what we talked about before, there wasn't enough time or someone didn't fully listen to the story, they're still dealing with some of these issues. And this is actually really common in the female athlete population. I think there's one study that looks at former collegiate athletes. There's like 50% of them that have chronic pain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really like getting these. What's that? That's me. I have chronic pain (laughs) as a former college athlete. I was raising my hand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was a um, division one volleyball athlete and I never had any major like sidelining injury, but I also wasn't a starter. So maybe that protected it in some ways. But I think that it's important for people to know that even if you've been dealing with these things throughout the years, your body is still resilient and adaptable and you, you still have the ability to set new goals and meet those goals. It might not look like you did, you know, back in when you were 20 and you're now 45, but you still are worthy of being able to have these goals for your body. I don't know if I fully answered your question. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm wondering what, what are you kind of seeing a lot in terms of pain in female athletes? Where are they, where are some, what are some common complaints that you're working on? Well, so I see a variety. I work with a lot of runners. So that would be hip pain and knee pain, back pain. And also I work with females with incontinence. So, you know, that even alone is something that really does still affect people, young people, not even people who have had kids. There was a recent study, oh gosh, I'm going to forget the 
the actual number. I'd have to look it up, but it was a large percentage, like something about 48 to 60% of female athletes between 15 and 19 have incontinence. That's crazy. Wow. Of like, actually, Isn't I kind it? of remember the research coming uh-huh. out, and I can't remember the numbers. But just either. hearing that again, but it, it was crazy for me to realize the age of like, what the heck is going right. on? Or right. Or it got normalized. Right. Like, if you run hard right. enough, it's like a badge of honor to put right. your pants. Sure. Not at that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes. You know that people who have had, I even work with people who have had surgeries but had poor recovery from those surgeries. So. Yeah, it's not always just pain, but there's some type of issue in their body that's not been resolved. I think this is such an important topic, especially with with athletes and female too, that pain is normalized. With yeah. like again, as I am, I'm a runner. Well, that makes sense that your knees hurt or your hips hurt, or I've had yeah. babies. That makes sense. And mm-hmm. I think it's such a normalized and therefore I think we feel dismissed in getting treated. Mm-hmm. Do do you kind of agree with that, Melanie? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and that's where, you know, it that's when it takes someone who's actually listening to the whole story because most people are not going to be malingerers and making things up, right? And so you can't just assume that, oh, it's all in your head. There's a reason why they're telling you these things. And so it's you have to be able to believe the person that's sitting in front of you. And also not just, I mean, yes, pain is normal. There's a good quote that um, he's a PT, PhD, Adrian Lowe is his name, but he says pain isn't a protocol. It's a human lived experience. Mm. And I think that sums it up really well because it's like, well, this person with pain in front of me, am I just giving them a protocol for that? Or are we diving into this full experience? This is, we all have pain at some point in our lives and that's physical, you know, or psychological, mental, so emotional. So if we can look at it that way, then we can unwrap things a lot differently. And how do you separate, like, I, I hear terms like, you know, oh, they're deep in the pain cave, like... Meaning, okay, they're they're in pain because they're pushing their body to the most extremes. But then there's pain like, oh, they're pushing through an injury. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that an athlete can separate the two of those? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a normal type of soreness that an athlete's going to feel. And even now when I go to my boot camp class and we did a lot of sprints the other day and I was sore the next day. Like there's a certain amount that's kind of expected, but I think when you're pushing into injury, that's a totally different type of experience. And so if this pain that you're having or this issue that you're having is limiting your performance, then, or limiting your sleep or, you know, things like that, limiting your beliefs about your body, then that's a totally different route that you don't want to just keep pushing past. So Melanie, tell us a little bit more about like, how do you incorporate this moving forward when you give them this education and you talk about kind of that advocating for your health, are there things that you find instrumental for somebody moving forward to stay in an optimal place of health? Do you mean when someone is dealing with injury, how do they move forward? Is that what yeah, you're Yeah, like how do you, you manage it in the acute 
situation in the physical therapy office, right? But then like moving forward, are there things that they can do to kind of assess, treat, and prevent further pain or management of that injury? Like Kara's talking about, like both of us are former athletes. And so there's some things like I had my ACL reconstructive. So there's things that I kind of look for to manage with that moving forward. Yeah. So ACL is a really good thing to talk about because female athletes are 75% more likely to get an ACL injury than males. And with ACL, there can be, I think it's really only, I think it's only half that actually go back to competitive sports. So did you, after your ACL injury, did you return back? Yes, I did. Yep. But I got to tell you, my physical therapist was my uncle. (laughs) So he was pretty diligent on like, Uh I probably did physical therapy longer than most people would have. I I wore the the horrific knee brace that everybody hates longer than I probably had to. So I I dotted the I's and crossed the T's because otherwise I would have came back to my parents. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that there's research that's showing that if an athlete has PT nine months or more, they reduce their chance of re-injury by 50%. But normally, like how long did you do physical therapy? Because normally you're, it's hard to get someone to stay in PT for that I'm long. I'm just saying, when you say nine months, I'm like, wow, I know athletes I know. staying outside right. their sport for almost a year. Like right. that That's seemed, what right. I, I had that to do, That makes sense though. they should, but yeah. I, I can see that not happening. Right. And if not, then they're that much more likely to have a new ACL injury or some other type of musculoskeletal injury. So when you're talking about like long term, you know, how can you help yourself? So if you had an ACL tear, first of all, do PT (laughs) and listen and follow everything they say. And then the other thing is not being afraid to use that leg. Like if it's fully sound, there can be a lot of fear avoidance that sometimes goes back. Because if you've had a long time off of sport or running, then sometimes you're going to offload that leg and you'll even, you know, mentally not feel confident of using it again. So really you want to be able to, once you're in that place that you can, be willing to do all kinds of movement, all kinds of strengthening, all kinds of planes of movement, because that's going to set you up for better control and use long term. Isn't it true that anxiety about re-injury actually increases re-injury? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing is there can be fear avoidance. You know, there can be what's called kinesiophobia, which is fear of movement. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's a really real thing to have that. And it's normal to have stress that your body is not going to work again like it used to. But also learning how to work through that stress and understand that you can connect to your body and trust it again is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, love that. That's some good stuff. So, Melanie, thanks for being on. You've been sharing some good stuff with us. And we like to end with every interview with how our interviewee lives out the fit philosophy, balancing performance, health, intellect, and time for self uh, during the time of COVID, especially. <laughs> how are you doing out there? I know. Yeah. Well, doing pretty good. My kids, thankfully, are in school, so they're mm-hmm. teenagers. So that, that's a big thing. That helps me. <laughs> yeah, a big thing for mamas <laughs> these helps days. Helps me a lot. Yeah, yeah. I would say that I make sure that I get up earlier before they get up, and I have my 
alone time and quiet time. I also try to exercise throughout the week. I really love my sleep, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and just having connection with other people. I think just trying to balance that because I can easily get into a one track mind and, and that's where things usually go south if, if things aren't balanced for me. I love it. I mean, I'll, I'll get up sometimes even earlier just to sit in some peace and quiet before everybody else gets up. Well, sure. We have to, we have <laughs> yeah. to like, hunt it out. <laughs> Where do I get the silence? Is there a closet I can hide in? <laughs> There's definitely right. a theme, Melanie, yeah. today about when you talk to moms and the need for solitude. <laughs> I know it's it. like, have you guys seen the meme where the mom is sitting on the toilet and there's like the hands coming from underneath the door? <laughs> like, oh, they found me. nice enough to not open the door and like at least the hands. I can handle that. <laughs> anyway, Melanie, we get what you're saying. Thanks so much for being on and talking about the female athlete with us, and we just love it. So I hope you have a good one out there in California. Thank you. Have a great week, Millie. Bye, Queens. Bye, Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, Queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.